Welcome back to the Enjoying the Journey podcast. It's been a couple weeks since we've been on, and it's so good to be back with you. I don't know about you, but our life has been crazy, and we're gearing up for Rise Fest. Talking about Rise Fest, maybe you've never been or never heard of it, but I wanted to tell you a little bit about it. It's a two-day Christian music festival where there's something for everyone. We have some great artists joining us this year, like Casting Crowns, Zach Williams, Matthew West, We the Kingdom, Cochran and Company, Big Daddy Weave, and so much more. You can visit RiseMinistries.com to check out more. But today we're taking a pause so that you can be introduced to Brian Sumner, a professional skateboarder from Liverpool. His accent is awesome, but his story is even better. God is using him in mighty ways. And as always, as you listen in today, I hope that you find just a little more joy in your journey. So excited today. Got a special guest named Brian Sumner. Met him years ago in Portland. He is a professional skateboarder, is that correct? I skateboard still. I have a skateboard out still, but I'm 41 and got you know less of a dad bod today. So I'm a skateboarder today, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, Brian, thanks so much for joining us on Enjoying the Journey. For those that don't know you, can you give us a little background and what is the world like with skateboarding? You know, I guess the first thing I have to say is that if I don't tell you where I'm from, you're going to wonder why I'm speaking in tongues. I'm not <laughs> speaking in tongues. Um, this is not an accent either. You Yanks are the ones with the accent. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm originally from, you know, one of the most famous bands in the world, the Beatles, great football team, you know, the ball you kick with your foot. Yeah, um, yeah. You guys like, call it football, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> and, you know, we got to take that. I've been I've been a Yank now for 26 years. Wow. But um, born and raised Liverpool, England. Skateboarding was not even in my mind till I was 12, 13. Um, and even as we were just talking earlier, you know, you think now a lot of us who are believers, Christianity is everywhere. Right. I'm not kidding when I say I grew up in England and I don't ever remember meeting a Christian. A lot of Catholics, the idea of Friar Tuck, you know, the bald head and the brown mm -hmm. gown. Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, Muslims, but no faith. But um, growing up in Liverpool, a beautiful city, tough, rough family, you know, docks and the river, a lot of hard work. And um, that was it. Just grew up playing football, did some martial arts. And yeah, booktooth kid in England, Liverpool. That was it. All I knew. <laughs> well, I remember I, I was reading about some of your, your childhood, too. And you said you like Bruce Lee movies, if I remember mm -hmm. right. I thought yeah. I could Bruce Lee too. That that didn't work out yeah. for me. <laughs> well, just as a kid, yeah, I remember my dad would, you know, watch his westerns and his James Bond and I never cared. But Bruce, maybe that's why I ended up in America. He would leave somewhere, come to America. He chased this one sport, you know, his art. Mm -hmm. And I got into martial arts young, like doing that. And then when I got to 12, 13, um, Bruce had put this book out, random story, but the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. And he said... That his martial art was like his vehicle that led him through life. He was a philosopher, you know? And so for me, I watched Police Academy 4, which is <laughs> America movie. I seen skateboarding. At the time, I was getting in trouble in school, a lot of fights and that. Not because of my sake, but just what we were as teenagers. A lot of kids doing acid or drugs crazy. I found the skateboard, you know, Police Academy 4. I got a hold of that thing. And the way Bruce was like, martial arts, my vehicle it felt like skating became my vehicle, literally, but spiritually. And it was just me and that skateboard, you know, every day, the next two or three years. I'm on vacation in America, you know, staying with my sisters in New Jersey of all places. That's where I fell in love with America. Uh -huh. um, 
7-Eleven, big gulps, lace chips yeah. still to this day. And, and that was it. Skating just became my life. So no faith. Yes, you know, like soccer, I guess. But really, it was about skateboarding. So, yeah. Yeah. So when when, when you visited America and, and skateboarding really became a big thing, how, how did it go from I'm yeah. interested into this that, no, I'm a pro skateboarder? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I used to joke because for whatever reason, you have kids 12, 13, 14, their brothers are selling drugs. They start doing acid or trips in school, you know, and again, I'm just this kid in Liverpool. I'm trying to really be healthy because of the Bruce influence. I didn't want to get into too much craziness. I wanted to honor my parents and skating was just really kicking off where you'd get the magazine and you'd see the cement in America. You'd see the red caves, you'd see all the skateboards. You couldn't really get them where I was from as much. So my sisters would send them back to me from New Jersey I get back to Liverpool, find every skater I can, go to every contest I can. And now within two or three years, skating has just blown up. And a kid from my hometown who was just texting me a minute ago, you know, Jeff Rowley, he came over to America, California, skating blew up, the Tony Hawk came out. And, you know, we were sitting on a plane and you were asking me, well, how do you make a living skating? Yeah. Let's say you're, you know, whatever age you are, let's say you're eight, nine, 10 years older than me, hypothetically, then you've had a skate career you now start a skateboard company. You're looking to sponsor people. Here's this Brian kid. I'm flown over. I'm sponsored. I ride for your board company, your friend's truck company, your friend's wheel company, shoe company. So every month, there's either money coming in or rent being paid and skating blows up. I happen to be in the right place at the right time. I've got jet black hair at the time and an accent. I'm nice. jumping downstairs following the footsteps of Jeff. So you go from being 15, 16, invited to live in America, making a couple of hundred dollars a month, which when you and me are just sitting in jacuzzis and eating Taco Bell, that's a lot of money. You know? <laughs> and, and that's all you're doing. And all you want to do is skate. And so you're filming every day, shooting photos. You're basically creating an industry that the world doesn't understand. And then it really blows up. Hmm. Now you turn pro for Tony Hawk's companies. You're 19 or so. You're making, you know, three grand from this company, five grand from this company, 300 bucks here, 100 bucks there, royalties. So now you're making 10, 12, $20,000 a month at 19. Wow. That's the reality of skating. You're on the magazine covers, traveling the world with Tony Hawk. So, but I was gaining the whole world. And as you know, the verse goes, I was still losing my soul. God was an afterthought. It didn't even exist in my mind. Well, and you said you grew up in, in England where mm. you didn't know one Christian. But you knew America. You knew skating. You you had Bruce Lee as as kind yeah. of a, a guide, I, yeah. I guess. And, and so now you're making that crazy kind of money traveling. And Tony Hawk, I, I mean, I'm not a skater, yeah. but that's still one of the biggest names in the industry, right? Yeah, for what he did for skating, you know, just some like skinny white kid who was kind of nerdy and did amazing tricks and went and rolled for the McDonald's commercial or the bagel bites and people said, okay, you're selling out. But what he did was he opened the door. So you would have known who's this Tony Hawk. You would notice him in an airport. You know what I mean? He put it on the map yeah. and I'll tell you, they say today, the two most influential things in America, which you could kind of argue could be the world then mm -hmm. are skateboarding and music. And mm -hmm. you might not realize that, but I can tell you, this is what skaters are wearing today. You will see Justin Bieber wearing that. You will see kids wearing this. You will music, and it comes from the outside coast and influences in. Yep, that's how big it is. So, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So yep. you're you're traveling all over the world, making crazy amounts of money. I mean, even yeah. people in their forties want to make 
twenty thousand dollars a month or, or yeah, it's or, great making that much money. But yeah. you have this this hole inside of you. So yeah, so where, where does it go from there? I mean, in in society's yeah. eyes in America, you've made it. Yeah, you are. I mean, you know, when I'm sharing with college age kids or universities, you stare this all up, and you're like, look, I am on top of my world. You know, you would be going to like parties in LA, $35 million mansions. And the people that are there are the rock stars and the actors and the actresses and billionaires. So aren't you rubbing shoulders with all these people? And guess what? Their kids want to hang out with you. They don't care that their dad's John Fogarty. They want to invite you to, you know what I'm saying? These are real yeah. stories that you're kind of like, okay, skating is this big, but, and it's, you know, in any of the writings of C.S. Lewis and um, you just don't find that satisfaction. His whole idea that, you know, we're looking for answers in this world of satisfaction. I'm sitting here talking to you and I'm drinking water. You know, I just got up a little bit ago. Yeah. I'm going to need more water the rest of my life. Right. So with skating, it's another trick. It's another, you know, jacuzzi. It's another vacation. It's another whatever. And those things aren't bad. But what it's telling you is there's not a real satisfaction. So whether you go the Christian bubble idea that there's a, a hole in our heart needs to be filled. I never thought about God. Again, the money was coming in and the kind of fame isn't the stupid kind of fame. Like people in Starbucks aren't going to, I mean, here they would in Huntington to know about skating, but right. you just realize you hit the top of where you can be and you don't want the other kind of fame that's out there. So to you, you're like, this is what it feels like to everywhere you go skating. Everyone knows you. Everyone's seen a video part and it's, it's a family. It's like a religion. It's like mm -hmm. you going and, you know, it's a whole thing of podcasters and we all know each other. Yeah, that's the extent of it. So you definitely hit that level. And I was very, sounds prideful to say, but humble because I wasn't a citizen. I didn't know if I'd stay in America. If I mm. broke my ankle or something, I could, my whole life could change. So there was this kind of accountability to like, okay, I want to do this right. So absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what a, what a ride. And, and so then, you know, you, you find Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> So you've you've had the American dream, yeah. You still have the hole, yep. But now you have a different uh, fulfillment, yeah. different joy. How did that come about? Well, so you know, I say I fell in love at thirteen with skating. I fell in love with nineteen again through my friend Jeff Rowley, through one of his good friends, you know, Gail Tracy. We met. We were together for four months. We'd known each other for a few years, but really. We connected madly in love. I was about to go back to England, not for this reason, but I was like, why don't you come back with me? And she's like, no, you need to stay here. So I started marrying me. We got married within four months. We were pregnant within a few months. You know, you're calling me on the phone. I'm like, well, guess how good my life is. There's money coming in. I'm on top of the whale. I married this girl. We're having a baby. Life's good. You're 19 and she's 21. So now... Like I said, all these things are coming in, but we have no clue. You put two sinners together, we begin the fight. You're a year two in, you're 21, 22. We have a beautiful baby boy. Now we're fighting, thinking this is the wrong person. Soon we're divorced. Soon I'm angry. Soon I'm depressed. And soon I say, you know what, God, whoever you are. And listen, for your listeners, you and me would be hanging out late night. And the conversation would be like, oh, man, I wonder if Bigfoot's real. And someone would be like, you know, I think UFOs are real. And someone would be like, what, is God real? That was as distant as God was. So now I'm divorced. I'm angry. I'm pretty much suicidal because I'm like, I'm a perfectionist. All these things have worked out. Skating has worked out. I can take you to a skate park for six hours, teach you a trick. We can get better at it. But my marriage fell apart. I'm going to prove you're not real. And then end my life. I mean, think about that. 
This is what's going on in my life. So what do I do? I look at all the different faiths. And I'm from England. We're logical, right? We think we have it all together. Charlie Darwin's on our money. I look at the Buddhist. I look at the Hindus. I look at Rastafari, Mormon, Joe. I look everywhere. But the first time I opened the Bible, I remember opening the Bible to a word, to barnacle. And if I told you to find tabernacle, you'd be like, what are you, tabernacle? <laughs> I didn't even know what the Bible was. Yeah, sounds like something out of SpongeBob. But I go to Genesis 1, and right there it says, let us make man in our image. Mm-hmm. All right, well, God, if I'm made in your image, why does my life suck? Why mm-hmm. am I? So I began to read the Bible. Listen, getting into the Hebrew and the Greek, by the time I'm done, I realize, you know, God spoke to them in the garden. They didn't listen. They fell. They sinned. They were distant. I realized God pursued Abraham, Moses. We see him. Ten Commandments, guilty. I get to the New Testament. Here's this Jesus guy. This is kind of funny, but my wife and I were vegans. Mm. So you read the Old Testament, and you're ripping apart animals. I know. God sounds barbaric. Yeah. Then you get to the New Testament, John the Baptist, of his cousin Jesus. Here's the Lamb of God. Yeah. I say this because I knew all about God. I was on a seven-month journey. I had community service because they're getting into so many fights and trouble skating. Mm. But one night, to answer your question, and I'll challenge Christians with this, many moves of Christianity, I was going to God to fix my life and just make Brian feel normal. But it wasn't until I understood my sin. And that sounds real serious to some people today, but I understood my sin. I heard the gospel. I came home that night. I bought this house. I was still divorced from my wife. But we said, let's just try and make it work for a few years so our son knows we at least love each other and made the effort. And that night, coming back from community service, we got in a huge fight. I'm over this. I'm done with this person. And I go in this room right now where my daughter's sleeping. And I look up and I'm like, you know what, God? And listen, and I say, God, and I say, Yahweh. I'm making sure God knows I'm talking to him. I'm using the tetragrammaton. I say, God, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I mean, just so you know who I'm talking to, God, I'm like, I'm done. And I listed all these things about my life. And it was like God was saying, Brian, your issues, your sin. And I get it. God can save you anyway. But it was the first time I got down on my face. I said, God, I lay down my life. I give you my skating. I'll get baptized. I'll remarry this woman. But it was the first time I really acknowledged, I'm going to you for my needs. But you're coming to me to say there's a gap, your sin. And in this room, that's eight feet away from me. I start weeping and laughing and I can only explain it. Like you talked about Bruce Lee, which is a great point to set this up. I read every book. I was going to go to philosophy school. I had all these ideas in one instant, the presence of God got a hold of me. And I knew you're a sinner, grace and mercy. It just hit me. And I was laughing and crying saying, I can't believe this is real. My ex-wife's in the room right there. The reality is I felt the presence of God, whatever people want to say, I felt the tangible presence where I knew I was a sinner and I was forgiven. And then I'm laughing and crying. And then I, I, I go lay down. She has no idea. My son's in bed next to us now. He's three or four. And she sits up like a zombie and to this day doesn't remember and repeats so much of what I shared in this room with the Lord in this room. Wakes up the next three weeks, thinks I'm crazy. You're not a Catholic. You're not even baptized. She has no idea. Three weeks later, she comes to faith. I'm going long because God is having the glory. Um, oh, yeah. Keep going. Yeah. I'm just saying. So the story, three months later, we get remarried. And my son was three or four then. And as I shared with you earlier, mm-hmm. this Saturday, I will be performing the marriage ceremony. 
he's getting married. My daughter, who's 13, who wouldn't be alive, wasn't for Christ, is behind this wall. And my son just got off the couch and found his way into the bathroom. So I'm saying, <laughs> God saved me, then my wife, restored our marriage. My son's 20, my daughter's 13, my son's 10. Thank you, Jesus. He more than filled the hole in my heart. So, amen. Oh, and, and it's, it's awesome. It's amen. absolutely awesome. And, and to hear the story of redemption in a marriage. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you guys were full on divorced. Full on divorced. Fully not, divorced. Not For a separated. year or two. No. And then to say, God, okay, I get it. You've given me all of the success society yeah. said, but it's not it. It's not yeah. it. And then when you're describing, because I can see it, our listeners can't see it, but you're pointing yeah. it this way and this way. So you're in this room having this moment with Almighty God, yeah. and your ex-wife at the time, right? How, how far away, feet-wise, are they, these two rooms? Uh, 35 feet, So 30 feet, yeah. So she either heard this, no, dreamed it, or... I am the guy who talks. You know, I told you as English people, we're kind of like Jewish people. We, we talk, you know? Yeah. Once you hit 11 o'clock at night, she's out. She's asleep. She's up later now, but she's not hearing all this stuff I'm saying. She's, it's wow. not like that. She's fully out quiet, but she sits up and she doesn't remember it. And I just laid down quiet, which is not my role. But ah. she to this day never remembers. I'm just saying, as I'm reading the Bible at the time, you, you see God affirming things in twos. Yes. I'm not going to say that's theologically how it is everything, but right. for me at the time, that was my understanding. So she comes to faith, I come to faith. And as you said, marriage, I'm at the top of my skate career. There was skaters who were like, well, Brian, you know, why didn't you go do this with your skate career? Because for one, faith is me and Jesus, mm. then me and my spouse, yeah. me and my family, then me out to the world. So right away, God began to deal with us and where we were in our family and marriage and yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. And that's that's what I was trying to point out to listeners, yeah. that she probably could not hear your yeah. prayer. Oh, she couldn't at all. There's no way. I mean, I was in right. the rooms are enough away where they're, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm having it out. Yeah. Awesome. That just made, <laughs> I, I, yeah. Well, you made the point, you know, we talked a little bit earlier, but when you look at the Bible, people don't get this. The Bible is the story of marriage. Genesis begins with a marriage. Revelation ends with a marriage. You know, a king called Jesus came to slay a serpent, you know, the serpent, Satan, to redeem his bride, the church. So for me, was it now go and have an even more godly skate career and be gone for three weeks? No. So right away, we started digging into the verses about marriage, focusing on marriage, talking with couples, reading all the books we could. And now today, you know, I haven't put a marriage book out trying to help people. And marriage is central because that's the foundation. Satan didn't even show up till they were married. Think about that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I love yeah. it. I, I, mar- <laughs> marriages are are near and dear to my heart, and so mm-hmm. when I can hear of one being restored, my wife and I got married young as well. So we're actually this November going on twenty four years. Wow, amen. Yeah. Good. So I love hearing redemption. I I mean, our marriage we we've, we've been married all twenty four years, but I love hearing mm. redemption stories. Yeah, where God redeems a, a marriage and. It's, it's like you said, it's central and it's so important when kids get to, to see that. And, and I'm just so excited for you. I mean, 20 years later, you're performing your own son's 
wedding in I know, it's crazy. two days, three days? Two days. I'll print it out today. I mean, I'll get it all together. We're making sure they're done. And then, you know, my little grandma on the couch over here is going to have his little suit on. My daughter's going to be coming. And it's a great family from church. And I took them all over the world with us on missions trips. The daughter, my son, they caught her for four years. And I mean, they're kind of late for Christians, getting married at 20. You know, they normally do. <laughs> <laughs> that so, is awesome. So yeah. now... Now with uh, yeah marriage and kids and, and and all of that, the skateboarding career taking a yeah. little bit of a turn. W what's it been like now for, yeah. for Brian and, and ministry? Well, you know, since I came to faith, we even talked about, you know, Luis Palau and the, mm -hmm. the Life Light Festivals. I mean, Stephen Baldwin. Yeah. I was such a no-name in a skate world. I just got threw up on the stage and, and I was like, okay, this is what you do. But I guess I would say today unashamedly that I'm an evangelist. You know, that's basically, if you read our marriage book, the whole first 10 chapters are all, you're coming to faith. You know what I mean? So what it's been is I began to travel and speak. And I skated enough for the next few years, but my heart was just in reaching people. And in 2013, my home church of branches, I'd be part of the teaching team. They said, you know, I was going to go plant this or do that, start a business. And they were like, you're crazy. You need to go raise full-time support. You know this, obviously, being yeah. around, you know, Alan Green and that. They said, and most churches don't understand the office of an evangelist. You know, the worship leader gets a salary or the pastor or the secretary. But, oh, you're like, Paul, go make tents. What that means is go have a full-time job then nowadays. No. So I began to travel, do ministry, and now I probably speak 100, 200 times a year. I'm working on an evangelism book, and, and I just literally wherever it's this crazy where i'll go into a place on a thursday for a youth thing a friday night marriage conference a saturday like you know outreach mm. and then sunday do all the services and i didn't plan on speaking and but you know god equips us so that's it and it's just go god whatever you want in and out of season that's it if you have an event coming up and i can get there tomorrow that's what awesome. i'm doing you know so that's yeah <laughs> i would crazy. say god has a Equipped you well, and you definitely have the heart of, a, of an evangelist and leading people yeah. to Christ. And the world <laughs> needs more. The world, well, needs you know, more. that's they were waiting for John the Baptist and that spirit that was on John of Elijah. That's almost being challenged in the church today because we're getting so progressively past it that I'm like, the goal isn't go condemn everyone, but we need to be voicing, you know heralding k russo letting it be known so i think god is raising up this generation not you know to be all revival over the top but i just think the church is realizing hey we have the holy spirit and they need to hear because even as we talked earlier america is looking for hope it's great he restored my marriage it's great that these things happen but ultimately do you know jesus not your dad's faith not grandma's faith do you know him because president ain't redeeming you you know, if I can use some slang there. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you are right. Anyone who's president, yeah. Anyone who's president, no. The government's not going to restore you. It's acts, It's Jesus. And recently yeah. I was in a conversation with somebody, mm -hmm. and I feel like our, our time right now needs Billy Graham back, and it needs Martin Luther King Jr. back. And they kind of yeah. looked at me, and they said, mm. no, they don't. I mean, obviously we will welcome back at any moment, yeah. but it was more, no, God, we uh, or Rob, we need to... Yeah. We need to raise up new evangelists that preach and think like Billy did and like yeah. Dr. King did. And yeah. they they took it aside and they said, you know what Billy always preached? It was individual sin. Mm -hmm. And you talked about that when, when God got a hold of your heart, 
It was you dealing with that is huge because what's being preached to us is people's sin. What's being preached is you're white, you're black, you're this, you're that. And here's the thing as someone from England to all our Yanks. Yeah. How I look at politics is if my two kids are in conflict, guess who's in charge? I am. Yep. I'm the one making the decision. If you look at America today, sadly, you have immigration, you have race, you have wealth. If I keep you all divided, I can steer. And we know 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan's the God of the sage. But yep. to your point, individual sin, Martin Luther King, what did he preach? He preached accountability to people, yep. whatever your skin color. You're not hearing that today. And now you've got enough. We don't need to go that route yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. That's yeah. A- but that's the idea. If we could get back to individual sin, if we are going to change mm. the trajectory of what we yeah. are on in the hatred or the the, the disconnection, yeah. the divide, it's individual yeah. sin. Because until we can deal with our own, we're always yeah. going to point our finger and then we'll look at the plank in our brother's eye rather than the one in our own eye. And it's, and like, it's easy. Oh, it's yeah. easy. It, yeah. It's easy. I get caught doing that often. Well, I didn't do what they did. I'm not, you know, and it's they didn't no. quite do that. But that's right. what Jesus did. Go and sin no more. Hey, yeah. go and restore everything back. Get rid of all your money. So it is, indiv- and that's what people miss a lot. Israel, God talked to us about them as a nation. Yeah. But once Christ came, he said, go on to the lost sheep of Israel. And then once he had, he sent the individuals. And then he said, dust off your feet. And I'm sending you to people. You're not just the people group now. This is an individual ministry. So you're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Boy, have I enjoyed our time together today. I mean, <laughs> God is using you. It excites me. It gets mm. me really excited. Amen. And we always we always like to ask our guest, uh, yes. because we call it enjoying the journey. And obviously we got to hear, and I know there's a whole lot more to your journey, but parts of it today. Mm. I'd like to ask if you could have anyone with you right now on this journey, who would it be? Obviously, we all say Christ, but we have the Holy Spirit. I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's with us. And as I was thinking about this, you know, the other day, because I know you close the shows like this. Yeah. I was thinking because my son's wedding is this weekend, yep. it would be nice to have my mom with me. You know, I mean, we lost my mom years ago. She's looking down. Got Hebrews it. 11, a great cloud of witnesses. Yeah. But I would say it would be cool if they were here from England. And they're all going to be Skyping in, you know, I'm going to film it all live for my mom to still be alive, be able to go and celebrate that. That would be pretty cool just because life's about family, loving people. We're going to have a hundred people or so there, his generation of friends, but, and my mom for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Super cool. It's so fun to hear everybody's uh, answer because they're all, they're all different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could have said Billy Graham or Martin Luther King, but I'll go with my mom. <laughs> I love it. Well, somebody said to me recently, I thought this was good too, Paul, yeah. the Apostle Paul. I thought of Paul, a first person, because I go, could you just explain tongues, specifically what you meant? And did you write the book of Hebrews? <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. And as we wrap up time today, you know, everybody's on their own personal journey. Yep. Uh, even your kids getting married. I know soon you're going to have yeah. a daughter-in-law. They're on their own journey. What what kind of advice or, or yeah. ways would, yeah. would you want to give them? Guys, this is really, really important. And I would say from that office of an evangelist is I have one message, you know, and we, we can preach on many things, but there's a heart that comes from certain people built a certain way. 
And Jesus came and said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Then he showed us how to do it for three and a half years. Then he died and resurrected, and the message was the same. All authority has been given, therefore go. So here's my point to the American Christians that might not understand this. When you're struggling with addiction, whether it's true, when I go to a rehab, when I go to here, when I go there, the whole call of your life, how do you have a better marriage? How do you raise your kids better? Is living out the Great Commission. I don't mean standing on the corner and, and shouting it. That works. Don't challenge that. You know, that works. But I'm saying in my marriage, I haven't got time for affairs. You know why? Because I'm living out the Great Commission with you today. When I go to jiu-jitsu, I'm living out the Great Commission. When you're struggling, we're so good at looking at our sin or looking at people's issues. All Billy Graham did was said yes. And he lived out the Great Commission and there was fruit. And so many times we say we're waiting on the Holy Spirit. We're not. He showed up 2,000 years ago, and he's continuing the work. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I'll send you. Greater things shall you do. Meaning what? We will all do it. Where you go today, I'm not going to be, but you and the Holy Spirit are there. Brian, my marriage is upside down. Brian, my kids are going crazy. Follow Jesus and fish for men. Two things. Not just the one. Not just the one-time altar. America, let's live out the Great Commission. Let's begin to go. Not just evangelist, evangelized. All of us. Why? Because the fivefold ministry is given to equip the saints. So I'm telling you, standing here today, being bold because we've been at humble I can. Your Ephesians 2.10, your workmanship. God has things for you to do. Step into it. Be led by the Spirit. Romans 10, I mean, 8 and 14. Live it all out. Trust in Jesus. And, and guys, I love the statement, whoever, whoever said it. We're invincible till he takes us. Don't fear. Don't fret. Get up today. We jumped on this podcast. We're going to go live our day, but look to him and be the salt and light of the world. So, amen. Amen. Yeah, I told you God had a gifting on your life. That was a uh, that was a three-minute sermon. Not even, yeah. pro probably two-minute. That was that was awesome. Oh, I appreciate amen. you so much and appreciate you. too. You. Thank you, brother. Yeah, absolutely. And congratulations. You know, you know, so, I mean... Not that I know that we're going to do it, but but again, I like to put everything out there. I'm probably going to live feed it to, you know, briansumner.net or through one of my feeds. So I don't know when these things go up, but I'm trying to see it and celebrate what God did. Yeah, it'll be out. My son's wedding will be out there. Do it. Let us know. We will definitely watch it. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.